Good day, good afternoon, good whenever it is you are listening to this. Thank you very much for listening to this. You are checking out Woken Baked with a little bit of that kicky, punchy action. And today, we are sitting down with Geo, AFC Geo, that is. He is an announcer for the Alaska Fighting Championships, and he is a mixed martial arts coach of multiple AFC champions, as well as UFC fighters, including Carlton Minus. Now... We talk about one of the hot topics of mixed martial arts today, and that is fighter pay. Now, some of you may or may not know that Francis Ngannou, the UFC heavyweight champion, is on his final fight for his contract, with his contract, and he can either ride it out and be under contract with the UFC and not take another fight till, if I'm not mistaken, the end of this calendar year, which is almost a full year. However, after that, it sounds like he has a fight lined up with Tyson Fury, which is pretty exciting, all right? I'll be honest. I am Team Francis on this one all the way. So, I made some previous statements on some previous podcasts uh, in a conversation with Coach uh, Jared Simmons, and I didn't really understand some of the ins and outs of fighter pay, and thank heavens for Gio, he took the time to sit down and clear it out for me and, and clear up some of my misconceptions, and I'm very, very grateful for that. All right, ladies, gents, if you have any thoughts or opinions on the subject, by all means, please let me know. Now, just a heads up, this podcast was recorded over Instagram Live because sometimes that's just the best way to make a meetup happen. I'll include a link to our IG page here so you can check out the, um, the interview in its context. And you can see that we had folks popping in and some folks asking questions. And in the future, I'll do a better job of addressing some of the questions as they're coming our way. I also want to give a solid shout out to Young Act of the Lord Mob. If you are not familiar with the Lord Mob, that is the crew that is most known to be affiliated with rapper Flea Lord. And in the year 2020, that man released an album a month. And I think... For some reason, he's probably on album two or three or four of 2022, and we're just in like the first week and two, two weeks, two weeks in, and he's got like 15 albums out. Um, all right, so thank you very much for your time. Thank you very, very much for your energy, and enjoy my conversation with Gio. It is always a pleasure to talk to Gio. He is a bottomless pit of mixed martial arts knowledge in the great state of Alaska. And a very solid shout out to my friend Seth Stacy, also a guest of the podcast multiple times. He is the man that connected Gio and I, and we will be forever grateful. All right, folks, enjoy the conversation. We're back like, well, like things that were awesome, and then they sucked, and then they were awesome again. Just, just like that. Oh, hey, peace to uh, Young Act of the Lord Mom. Uh, how are you doing this evening, sir? Congratulations on the new single. Um, we've got a buddy getting ready to hop in, but totally cool to pop in and talk about your new project, so you're going to be dope. Um, right now, kind of the topic is UFC fighter pay. I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, UFC heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou. Um, the man is very easily the baddest man on the planet, possibly ever of all time. And he's fighting on his very last contract in the UFC. Now, 
he has said that he is no longer going to fight for five hundred or six hundred thousand dollars. Now, um, it has been said by um, Henry Cejudo, who is a, himself a former two-time uh, two-division UFC champion, that uh, Habib Nurmagomedov would make upwards of ten million dollars a fight. Now, don't get me wrong; I think that. Uh, Habib would, is, is for everything that he contributed to uh, to combat sports absolutely worth whatever you pay him and I think that he can get close to that in a grappling match but um, I think in this particular situation when you're looking at the heavyweight champion of the world um, you know what do you, uh, you know, how do you respond to that the guy has one fight left on his contract and we're in a place now where um, if he wins, hypothetically, the champ could sit out until uh, December and his contract is up. Or if he loses the fight, assuming the bell rings, he decides he's up. I don't want to do this. He is no longer under contract in the UFC. Now, what that does to a potential fight with... Um, uh, Tyson Fury, I don't know. Uh, Jabby, for some reason, it says that you're um, you, you need a newer version of Instagram. So I don't know. I got nothing. Um, but in this particular situation, um, what do you what do you do? Um, your champion. Well, for example, let's let's go back to the Floyd Mayweather fight and Conor McGregor. Now, it's recently come out, and I don't know how accurate any of this information is, but apparently the UFC took half of what Conor McGregor got paid for his fight with Floyd Mayweather. And they, they were in a position to do that. Now, if Habib is making $10 million a fight and Francis is legitimately fighting for $600,000 as the heavyweight champion of the world, um, I think that, that that's a little bit fucking dirty. Um, I'm not the person that makes these rules. I'm not the person that decides these sorts of things. But I do think that when you're looking at the long-term effects uh, this will have on fighters, you've, you've taken away their options to, um, to get additional sponsors, uh, like on shorts and shirts and, and that sort of promotional uh, material. However, uh, you're not doing anything for them in the interim. So they have these fights, they have these injuries, whatever. They don't have the they they can get sponsors outside of the time that they're fighting. But you know they used to be able to sell their T-shirts on on websites like MMA Warehouse. You could go and you could buy to uh, purchase a particular fighter's walkout shirt. Now, if you want it for a UFC fighter, you've got to go to the UFC store. Uh, you've got to buy their official jersey, um, and there you go. Personally, as a as a fan, I would personally uh, like to see Francis and Ghana be able to get to a place where he can walk away from the UFC when he can just kind of dip out and say. Um, you know, I'm going to go away and or have the option to stick around and continue to make money. I don't know what the future is going to be. Yes, the power of the Internet, the power of the Internet. Um, all right. So hopefully Javi will be in here in just a second. Um, now, we're, I'm sure we're going to talk about um, 
Jake Paul and Jake Paul stating that he wanted fifty thousand dollars or he wanted he would retire today if uh, fighters could get guaranteed fifty thousand dollars, which would be really nice. Uh, I don't think that I don't think it's awesome having guys who are professional athletes uh, have to. I mean, like. I mean, I guess you don't have to work a, a day job, but they don't make enough money in the UFC, especially without being able to take, in, uh, take on sponsorships. If you're a fighter from, um, like, like us, from Alaska, right, um, those, uh, those sponsorships, man, those, are, those can make you, or, or, or the inability to have them, can break you if you have a local fighter out of Anchorage that is able to get sponsored by. Uh, imagine a, a um, if you were able to get these guys sponsorships with like Nusagaya, where you didn't have to, they didn't have to worry about food. All they had to do was worry about walking out to a plate with you know the grocery store on their shirt. I think that that's um, that's important, and I think that. A few years ago, the smart money would have been telling a young fighter to go to the UFC. Now I would tell them that there are so many other options that they can do any, they can really do anything they want. Okay. Um, you can go to Bellator and you can make a really serious living. I'm pretty sure uh, Austin Vanderford, who, by the way, could have been signed to the UFC. Um, it says you're unable to join for some reason. So I guess if you want to send me a request, I can, I can just add you. Um, he's doing quite well in Bellator, probably better than he would have done in UFC. He would have a lot of his, a lot of the issues that he would have had or because of who his wife is. Um, don't accept. Boom. Heck yeah. You made it work. Kind of. Maybe it might be too soon to get excited, but I think we're making it work or we're not. Um, so okay, I'm hitting accept. I'm sending the invite. We're doing it all. We're getting it all covered. It looks like you're about to pop in at any second. So I'm just going to. Hope for the best. Um, I don't know what's happening. I, the internet hates us. I'm going to go with the internet hates us. Um, if I were Francis and gone, if I were the baddest man on the planet, if I were the heavyweight champion of the ultimate fighting championship, and I was making $600,000 to risk getting punched in the head and kicked in the head by guys who know how to do such things to get in a fist fight with um, Derek Lewis or to get in a fist fight uh, with um, with Stipe Maocek. These are the greatest fighters of all time. Uh, and that is what we what this man is doing. And, it, and that's what these men are doing when they fight him is they are risking the damage that comes along uh, with fighting a guy like Francis Ngannou. I don't know what's going to happen long-term, uh, what this is going to mean for the UFC if they're not able to re-sign their heavyweight. Ah! Oh, yeah. Sorry, I mean to curse, children. Um, 
How's it going? All right. I, I, it's going well. For those that don't know you, just please take a quick second and reintroduce yourself. Um, my name is Giovanni Devera, and I've been in the MMA community for quite a long time, over a decade. The, right. the, the, I mean, at least the AFC, Alaska Fighting Championship, and stuff like that. Everything here in Anchorage, I've been involved for over a decade now. Check out his Instagram page and, and find out more about Coach. Um, so the topic of tonight, the topic today is is fighter pain. And as a coach, uh, I know you have uh, you have some opinions uh, on this. Now, the situation specifically that brought this up is the uh, Francis Ngannou um, contract negotiations. But on on a broader scale, like what are some of your thoughts uh, as a coach? As a coach, you know, I've only gotten people to the entry level of UFC, and uh, I think it'd be, I, I think I heard you say it earlier. It'd be nice if these guys didn't have to work for a living, you know, for the first few contracts or first few fights, you know. Um, it's really a shame that these guys get signed to the UFC, and you know, a lot of them have to work, you know, or have to live like a broke ass dude. Because ten and ten really means, if you think about it, ten and ten. It's not that much. You probably if a fighter goes ten and ten, he's probably coming home with like twenty four Gs, right? So maybe, you're talking maybe about even that, less. You're also talking about ta- you're, you're, you got to throw in taxes. Uh, That's true. Got to pay your corner. Uh, yeah, I, was, I was just talking about the corner and and you know and man, management's anywhere from ten to twenty percent depending on who your manager is, right? So that's like the average is fifteen percent. So fifteen percent's gone. You got to pay your corner and coaches. You gotta, and then you gotta save some for taxes. You're right, you know, and uh, it's really a shame that these guys get to the highest level of fighting and you know still have to work their job or, like I said, be be broke. Well, I, I think it's more than just that. I mean, we're talking about the UFC, whether it's uh, whether it's like entry level UFC or guys that have been in there for a few years. Um, uh-huh. The inability to make extra money and to really be able to capitalize off of what you're doing. Um, five years ago, you could, uh, you know, I know some people thought it was tacky, but I really appreciated being able to go and, and purchase a fighter fight shirt. You know, like it had all their sponsors, all the folks that regularly showed them love. Um, right. And uh, and you can't do that anymore. It's not a thing that happens anymore. Um as a as a coach, do you think that would you still push a, a young fighter towards the UFC, or or would you look I, perhaps at a different organization? I heard uh, before I I lost it. I, I cut out. I heard you say something about like you know going to Bellator and how Austin Vanderford is doing well, you know. And uh, I feel like I, I heard Jared Simmons tell you the same thing. It's always best to start in the UFC. You know, starting out in Bellator on a prelims is a rough scene, and usually uh, the pay is not very good at all. Yeah, you can get some sponsors, but the average Joe fighter who's like four, three and one or four and zero is not going to get pulling some big sponsors. You know, the average regional guy isn't Aaron Pico or Vanderford who's married to the oh, I forgot her name, but you know. Yeah, well, that was I think a big part of the reason that. Um... I don't know that there was a more of an interest in him, but he also went, uh, he won on the contender. He, and won, he won on the contender. But, uh, yeah. He won on the contender and he didn't get some. 
Right. Um, so it's it's not like he was your you know he was a regular three and O fighter. He right. was a, a three or four and O who had won all contender and didn't get signed. He already had a platform. Uh, whether mm-hmm. or not his you know his wife played much of a part in it is something else to discuss. But yeah, he, he had a he walked into Bellator with a platform already based yeah, on correct. the contender win. Um, yeah. And and yeah, Coach Simmons is, is probably a hundred percent right in that. Just because you come from the platform of the UFC, because once you you know former UFC fighter and you're able to put that on the bill, all it's not even that. Sport. It's not even that. If you have a good manager, like Carlton fought in the PFL before UFC, right? Oh my God, my God, Carlton minus, and the PFL paid him fourteen thousand dollars to show. So when he made his UFC debut, he got to skip that part. Like, no, we're making straight. Carlton's starting at $14,000, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's more a negotiating thing for the managers, right? Well, my guy already yeah. found a UFC. He's 0-3 in UFC, but, you know, his base was 10 and 10. He can't get paid less than that. Um, that, you know, Carlton was also offered two times in Bellator for one and one, but he had to fly his own way out there. Really? Mm-hmm. The prelims, before COVID, the prelims of Bellator is booked with mainly local people. Local people get paid shitty, but they sell these tickets. The people you see at Bellator, I mean, the fans you see, a lot of them are, those tickets are sold to the prelim fighters who are local to that uh, venue or that, around that area, you know? Yeah. I don't know, like post-COVID, but pre-COVID, that's how it was. Carlson was offered twice to fight for one and one, but he had to fly his own way out there. That's crazy. Yeah. Holy shit. I didn't I didn't know that. Thank you for the education. Yeah, I mean it's it's always like, you know, I love Bellator and PFL, but it's always nice to make your first big money in the UFC. That way you have some that way your manager has something to go off and has some like almost like a leverage tool, you know. Um how was your experience as a coach um uh dealing with and, and, and interacting with the platform that is the UFC? You broke up. Can you repeat that question, please? So, um, as a coach, uh, how was your experience of, um, of going to the UFC and seeing that, um, how they operate? Um, like, was, it, was it an eye-opening experience? or I think the eye-opening experience for me was talking to other coaches and fighters and how broke they were and how much they needed to win, you know? Yeah. Especially during the COVID era, like, uh, uh, I think for uh, when me and one of my fighters got flown out there to do some, like, just for, like, a week to do some uh, container series footage and stuff like that, you know, I met some friends along the way outside in, in the heat, and they're just uh, in the same boat we are, you know, as far as, like, not making money, and, like, they have to do some side gig jobs or have a full-time job. I met a guy out there who was hoping he would win his contender series thing and his YouTube channel would go off, you know, because it's just, I love and hate fighting at the same time. <laughs> well, do you think that the, the amount of money involved now kind of complicates things or, or the number of fighters? I mean, going back in the day when there were maybe 200 fighters on the roster or maybe a hundred fighters on the roster and each division maybe had 15 guys, uh, to where it's now this this global empire, and there are so many organizations, and there are so many fighters uh, that there are so many eyes that you're trying to buy for the attention. But I'm sorry, what was the question though? 
<laughs> okay. Um, so uh, I don't even know that there necessarily was a question in there, but like, I guess as a coach, like, how do you, um, how do you deal? Uh, like, how do you how do you work with? Uh, I mean, can you work with athletes? Um, to, what are the other options? I mean, as far as if you have sponsorships taken away or sponsorships are harder to, uh, to compensate, uh, or to, right. yeah. Um, I always tell, I mean, I don't know if this is, I'm just going to say it, but like, I always tell these up and coming kids, like if you want to be in the UC or, or make this like your thing, like, unfortunately you have to, you know, lose some money to get there. You know, if that makes any sense and sacrifice time and, stuff like that you know uh you know you got fighters in in regionals in regional scenes even in alaska who are trying to fight for um who are too worried about money at a lower level you know what i'm saying yeah and i like to tell my guys it's like fighting here locally is like you know going to college right i can't um apply to be a doctor or a lawyer right i gotta go to school for that right you know yeah i gotta go to loans and um if you're really about it, then I think some of these guys need to realize that you're going to be broke for a while. It's just the way it is. Well, I, I think that that's with anything that, um, right. yeah. that requires a certain amount of skill to, to be good at. You have mm-hmm. to continually, and you've got to put in time, and time is money, and then you've got to put in real money to yep. make you got to sacrifice. Yeah, it's a lot of sacrifice if you really want to do it, you know? Yeah. Trust me, I got fighters who I wish would quit. <laughs> you know, I what really do you mean do when you say that? What do you mean? I don't want to drop it. I have fighters. Who I have no names. We don't need names. Yeah. When you say when you say like I wish they would quit, like um, with, without I, and without trying to say names, like mm-hmm. um, actually, I think I know what you mean. But um, yeah, there there isn't. There's really nothing. There's no money in anything at the lower levels. Right. Um, it yeah. really yeah. has to be done for fun. Yes, for passion, right? Those are the guys, you know, who are, you know, th- there's fighters even in Alaska who, if, if there was no such thing as UFC or if there was no possible way to make money through fighting, they would still fight. You know, those guys or the guys who think training and getting ready and staying in shape and learning is fun. Those are the guys I, I'll root for. You know. Or I'll push on, keep going. Because if it's ain't fun, if you're here solely for money, I mean, like, ugh, I don't know. It's a rough road if you're here solely for money. Um, that's what I think. So, just me. So suplex beat bruisers uh, wants to know: uh, Are they wasting time? I guess he means that the fighters. Um. <laughs> I feel, yeah, I mean, possibly. You know, I, I mean, know. yeah, I think time is the ultimate commodity, right? Hundred percent, it's time. Hundred percent, you can't get that back. If you're building towards something, right? If the if you have a long term goal that is attached to this thing that you are doing, as long I guess as long as you maintain the focus and you have your sort of like watermarks of this is how I know I'm I'm on the right path, and you're you're continuing to to hit those ticks, right? And being like honest with yourself and and your like your self-talk and like, this is where I'm at putting your marks. Am I on the way to going uh, and doing what it is that, uh, um, yeah, the fires are going to quit. Um, yeah. Would you tell a fighter that they're wasting their time or that they, uh, I would tell my fighter. 
I've had these arguments with my fighters before, you know. How does how does that conversation go? And and like if you can kind of like walk us through like Almost, the decision you know, making that you're doing. I, I don't own a gym, you know. It's almost like uh, and the fighters I do get are usually recommended to me from somebody, and uh, you know I spend a good time of uh, getting to know all these guys, you know, in and out of the gym. And uh, man, I get pretty close to all my, you know, I've trained over twenty five fighters, and I think even till this day, like I'm in touch with all of them, you know. So when your bro, is, when you're a good friend with someone. When someone's your good friend, you can tell them the truth, right? It's almost like that. That's how I feel. If someone's your good friend, you can tell them the truth about something. And that's how I don't work. That's why I don't I can't work for a gym or like, you know, taking every fighter, you know. I get to mostly invest in these guys and shit's hard. I, mean, I have fighters who have no interest in being in the UFC, right? They like doing it. You know, they have, they work on a fight job when they can. They want to take a fight in the AFC or in the Valley or in Soldatna, you know? That's nice, you know? But there's so much freaking training that, that goes on, right? A lot of these guys think they're training so hard. They think they, they think they really... Even myself, I have fighters myself who think they train hard and they train a lot, which they really don't. Yeah. I think um, we have a question for you, and uh-huh. uh, uh, I, I do want you to clarify as a coach that, like, training as a professional fighter is a full time job. Like, that doesn't get that doesn't pay well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that doesn't that doesn't pay well, and you know, so <coughs> if, if you own a business and you want a really good tax write off, you can sponsor a fighter. Mm-hmm. There are mm-hmm. ways to do that's it. true. Like, there that are legal. True ways that you can write off sponsoring a fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if you've got a, a, a protein supplement shop, perfect. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so the question that is asked is, um, is uh, from uh, Fault Chris. Geo, who is your favorite fighter you've coached? Now you got dude, you've got like 25, I don't want to say kids, but co-workers. No, I call them my gym sons. I call I call them my gym sons. <laughs> What's up, Chris Falky? Uh, my favorite. What was this question? My favorite fighter I've coached. Um, fortunately for me, I've coached my best friend, so that's a little easy. It's it's pretty easy to say, like my best friend, former AFC heavyweight champion Bryce Palmer, which is his cousin, by the way. But uh, as far as like my favorite, I would say. It's a toss-up between Maurice Mitchell and Bryce Palmer. Bryce Palmer is my easy way out because that's my best friend. <laughs> so I, I've got to mention uh, Maurice Mitchell. Okay. Um, he is a bad man. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't. I can't tell you anything about him as a professional fighter. Mm-hmm. Uh, only what I've seen from Nine Hundred Seven Wrestling. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. 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 Um, Holy smokes! And and I don't know if you're a, a wrestling fan, and and I'm not. My partner in the Punchy uh, Kicky podcast is very <laughs> much a pro wrestling fan, okay. um, and uh, so he got me into like into like the local scene. And Maurice mm-hmm. Mitchell, I saw him when I saw him uh, wrestle. I, I knew a he was a fighter because the way he moved, 
Okay. He was very aware of everywhere he was and where everyone else was. Um, and then I saw him throw up kicks that, like, you only <laughs> know how to throw, like, if you know how to throw these kicks. Right. Um, and so um, I, I, I'm assuming training with him has fun. It's fun. Oh, I lost my audio. Punchy, kicky, trying to call it. Oh, okay. Um. So, um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, Maurice Mitchell is a hell of a fighter. So I'm, um, uh, yeah, I'm really excited that you brought him up in conversation. Um, yeah. So, what are your thoughts on, uh, on on fighters? I mean, from a fan's perspective. Um, have you have you watched any of his uh, professional wrestling matches? Yeah, I, I've uh, I've caught most of them if they were in Anchorage at least. Yeah, okay. there's, there's a handful I missed, but uh, for the most part, they do like a um, 907 Academy showcase show every month, and I try to make it one of those. Um, as a uh, as a fight uh, as a a coach uh, of uh, of fighters. Um, do you? What are your thoughts on profession on, on using professional wrestling even to keep the the skill set warm, or even just to stay active? I never thought of that, but um, I, don't, I think it's cool in general. I have a couple ex fighters who also wrestle, um, so it's pretty cool. I got you know three guys who are wrestling. You know that used to. I mean, I think you know one of them, uh, Dennis Bryant. Uh, maybe if I maybe if I saw him, he's known. What I think the beard because um oh in MMA he's like Dennis the Beard Bryant and stuff like that. He was AFC champ and uh, he's made, he's recently made the switch from MMA to pro wrestling. And okay. then I got a, one of Maurice's good friends who I used to train, Chase Emerson. And it's cool because Chase Emerson and Dennis Bryant both did MMA. I've both worked with them. I've done camps with them, and now they're tag, they're a tag team now. So it's pretty cool. That's awesome, right? <laughs> So I think it's, I love seeing it, you know, I hate seeing them get hurt. So, so this is all, I love this, you know? Yeah. Um, I think it's cool when you see guys who, who have really risked like getting hurt, doing crazy shit off the top rope. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, uh, and, and to see them like not, they're still taking a hit, but they're definitely not taking the same hit. Um, yeah. You know, they're, they're definitely having, and they seem to be having more fun, generally speaking, I, yeah. um, or, or a different kind of fun, a different kind of fun. Yeah. Um, either way, like, I'm sure the training is awesome. Uh, I'm sure the training is lots of fun. I can only um, imagine. All right. Um, so do you have any events coming up that you want to give a shout out to? I know you're busy. Uh, I, I have family um, stuff I've got to do. We were supposed to, we were supposed to have an AFC event in February. I'm not sure uh, what's going on there. Um, but I believe I'm hearing there's some big news coming out of the AFC. So once I know, I'll share it with you and you let people know. Please do. Please do. Uh, coach Gio, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your energy. Uh, thank you for your input. Thank you for keeping me on track. No problem. <laughs> it's kind of it's what a coach does. All right. Um, uh, thank you so much and have a great evening. You too. Bye. Okay, uh, that was very, very cool. I'm going to dip out. I've got to do some dad stuff. I also uh, had a phone call from Dave. got to take all people back. Good stuff's happening. Awesome stuff is happening. I'll probably be back on a little bit later. 
Um, love you guys. Have a great night.